Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul, and it's the 15th day of December. Thank you for joining me on the DDP as we are in the 19th day of Advent season, and we are anticipating that Advent of the Lord Jesus with our characters from the biblical story. We have worked through the prophetic passages, not all of them, but and we may not be finished with that, but many of the prophetic passages from the Old Testament, a little bit from the Psalms, uh, and then we've been taking our, a look at the characters surrounding the nativity, be it the shepherds or the wise men or uh, Simeon or Anna or Joseph. Today, uh, we also included John the Baptist in there as well. Today, I want to include another character that we don't think about a lot in the story, although he's always mentioned in the story. We just don't think about him as an essential part of the story. And that character is Herod. Now, I think the reason that we don't think of Herod as an essential part of the story is because Jesus' birth could have happened without him, and things might have been a lot smoother. Um, and he is certainly no, he's, a, he's an antagonist, and we prefer our stories to not have an antagonist. If it has to have an antagonist, we demand that the antagonist be exposed and lose. Um, and in Herod's case, He doesn't win in that he doesn't get what he wants, but we we also don't see him punished in the way that we kind of hope in a story. It gives us some insight, however, into a lot of things. First of all, let me read for you. This is at the end of the Magi story where the three wise men or the five wise men or the 15 wise men, however many wise men there were, they brought three gifts, but there were, uh, there may have been more than three of them. It, that doesn't matter really. These have returned back to Herod. They they did not when they get to Herod. They don't give him the way um, to get to the young child to Bethlehem, um, and because of this, he knows he's been deceived. Because they were they actually don't go back. They were warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod because something bad's going to happen. So. Rather than come back to Herod as he requested, they depart another way. This infuriates Herod. And I want to pick up at that moment of infuriation from Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. I'll stop here for a moment and say, Herod in this moment plays the role of Pharaoh in the Moses story. This allows the story to be a recapitulation of the birth of a redeemer. In Exodus, Moses is born, floated down a river on an ark of bulrushes, and raised by his mother for his adopted mother, the the princess of Pharaoh, the of Egypt. And when Pharaoh finds out that the Hebrews think a redeemer has been born, he has all of the boys slaughtered. Well, the Hebrew women won't necessarily play along, and so we don't have a record that all of the boys actually die, but Moses does escape. In the New Testament version of the story, Herod 
finding out that a quote-unquote redeemer has been born, has been tricked by the magi, they don't return his way, and so in his infuriation, he orders a what's been called by history the massacre or the slaughter of the innocents and determines to kill all children two and under, all boys two and under, from Bethlehem and all of its districts. And something that then must have had an effect on an adult Jesus is the idea that he had no male peer from his birthplace or the villages around it. Uh, And also the idea, this hit me a year or so ago, the idea that Jesus would have been raised with the knowledge that his very existence on the earth led to the death of some other babies. Some families were ripped apart due to the mere existence of Christ on the earth. Um, I don't even know what to do with that, but the weight of carrying that, maybe, maybe early on, that contributes to Jesus knowing who he is, that his birth is so unique, his life is so special, that it would be the cause of so much death and pain for others. If Herod represents Pharaoh in the story, why does the story need Herod? Not because the story needs an antagonist, but because our story has an antagonist. Because we have Pharaohs and Herods and devils in our lives. Because we have an adversary that runs about like a roaring lion seeking whom it may devour. Because life is not full of just angels, but angels and demons. What I mean by that is it's not only full of those who take care of us and provide for us, but it also has the presence of those who slither up next to us and deceive us and do us harm. In this Advent season, it's important to realize that there is a Herod in the story because we have a Herod in our own story. We have something that stands against us. But just as Herod dies in Matthew 2.19 and the Lord appears to Joseph and tells him to take the child back because those that sought his life aren't alive anymore. The hope in the midst of this dark world with a Herod, with a Pharaoh, is that there will come an end, a cessation to what they can do to us. And so we hold hope in the midst of the world full of wickedness and evil. Yes, it exists. But we hold hope in this Advent season that just as Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus would be delivered from the adversary that was against them, you and I will be delivered from the adversary that is against us. It is my prayer for you that whatever or whomever is playing the role of Herod in this hour will also cease to play that role. I'm not praying death on someone or something, but in a metaphoric sense that it would die out as an influence and a threat over your life in Jesus' name. Let that be one of our focuses on this Advent season. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.